Welcome to Movie Reviews and Serious Nonsense with Greg Darrow and Tom Burka. Today we're going to be talking about some possibly underappreciated gems that we've watched. We're going to be talking about Poker Face, which is on Peacock, and The Reluctant Traveler, which is on Apple TV, and The Bear, which is on Hulu. Excellent. So here we go. This is the episode. We've been absent for a few months, so we apologize for that. Or we don't apologize if we didn't really care that we were absent. One of the two. What do you think, Tom? I I think most people didn't notice that we were gone, but still. We're back. We should be more regular. Yes, we should. We should. We should be more regular. Yeah, no, sure. And there are things you can take for that, but I don't think they apply here. In any case... In any case. Uh, our holiday break is over, and we are going to talk about today unappreciated gems that we believe we have found on television. Except, as we were discussing this, there is a debate about whether some of the things that are on our list are underappreciated at all. But still, I think all of them worth mentioning. Yes, it's that whole world of streaming where I know I sit in at a party and it's, ooh, we're watching this. What are you watching? And then tell, and then somebody tells me about this series that they're watching. I'm like, I've never even heard of that. What's that on? And like, they're like, oh, my God, we've been like binging that for the last three weeks. And it's and I've never even heard of it. So I agree, Tom. There, there's things that can be underappreciated. On, on that note, I would. And it, it's easy to overlook stuff because there are so many things now available on streaming that it's actually overwhelming. Yes. Yes. If and you're that, looking uh, for something new on Netflix, there are a million titles that you're never even going to see while you're searching around for. No, at, at times, it's. I do want to say I agree with one of our friends. Ron has talked to me before about the extent of, of streaming content and content. You know, in his view, at times, the, oh, it's getting diluted down and the quality is going down. I do not think the quality is going down. I see a lot of very high quality stuff that I've never even heard of. So I don't think the quality is going down because the quantity is there. What do you think about that, Tom? What I think is that the idea, everybody does want to produce, nobody sets out to make something bad unless they are making the movie Maneater, in which case they don't care. They're just trying to make a buck. But please don't ever watch that movie. Anybody who's listening, this is just a warning. Without saying anything about that, I think the idea is that you have more content because there's more of an ability to write and produce something that has a niche audience. You could write a drama about trout fishermen will appeal to trout fishermen. I'm not so sure, though, economically, whether... This is working. I know that Netflix had to throw everything on the wall and see what sticks philosophy of producing. And I think the consensus is that that doesn't work. I'm not so sure. Just because Netflix had to lay off people and fire people and and then all the other streamers started following suit, cutting down their payrolls and pulling back on the number of productions they're making. What is your theory about all this? Can a show which has a narrower audience, does it is it financially viable? to produce something like that? I'm going to say I think so. I think, yes, I think the niche kind of market 
is now large enough. There was a period of time when it was not large enough. And I, I guess it would have been, I'm producing this movie and it's going to the B list of theaters. And I had this large B list of theaters in Alabama and Georgia and New York. And I know I'm going to produce this thing and it's not going to be in the AMC Grand Theater. It's going to be in the old days. It's going to be in this lesser kind of theater. There was a limited number of these theaters that you could debut in. And also the financial cost of producing print of that film and then shipping it to a theater somewhere in, in Louisiana or in New Orleans that was a B-list type theater, the dollar $2 cinema. There was a lot of cost yeah. there. Now there's not that cost. There is. You're producing the film and you're making it, but you don't have a distribution cost that involves producing prints, which is a limiting factor on, on the number of places you can have it show. So now I'm heavily into certain kind of horror films. There's a market for that in, within a lot of venues between Netflix and Hulu. But there's also the Plutos and the Tubies and the those lesser areas that are showing films that if you ever go on a streaming service, there's a boatload of stuff that looks just like when I walked into Netflix, Netflix, when I walked into Blockbuster in the old days and I went down an aisle, I'm like, I've never even heard of these things. Do you know what I mean? They were still there. They were there in the in the Blockbuster days and they're there now. Yeah, and and you're a big fan of, of Pluto. Yes. Pluto, I think one I of the things these streaming services has produced has been an incredible ability to pursue television nostalgia, to watch series that have not been on air for 20 years that you appreciated back then or that you'd never seen and had heard about and wanted to check out. No, Cog no, no. has the entire run of Columbo. And that leads, um, us into, that leads us into one of our not-so-or-so streaming shows, uh, Poker Face, which, uh, as some have noted, that it's a bit like Columbo in a murder-slash-mystery type way that Columbo was, starring a... T- right, a and I don't know anybody who's watching Poker Face, but as you pointed out in a certain pre-recording discussion, it's apparently number three on the Nielsen's for streaming content in the past, what, week or so? Yeah, this is uh, something from Variety from a couple days ago. Yeah, there's yeah. a number of articles. So, uh, do you know anyone who's watching Poker Face? Besides no, yourself? actually. Besides myself and my wife? No, at this point I do not. But to kind of our good friend, where some of this is, let's backtrack a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about. I had already decided that I wanted to watch Poker Face. And I am a big fan of Na- Natasha Leone. And loved her, absolutely loved her character on Orange is the New Black, which I don't know, Tom, if you ever watched Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah, no. And she was one of the more interesting characters on it. Yeah. And also, is it Russian Doll that she was in? Yeah, she's in Russian Doll, which I liked. It's a little bit Groundhog Day-ish. And, uh, yeah, like so many things. It's so funny. Die Hard was a huge success surprisingly the studios never expected it and then there are a million movies now that are like die hard on a boat 
speed is die hard on a bus, basically where the action is very constricted into one particular location right. uh, and it involves one person who has to get rid of the terrorists or stop the bomber, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we have a whole bunch of Groundhog Day things. I was watching Edge of Tomorrow the other day, which is Groundhog Day in a science fiction setting and which they did a great job taking the Groundhog Day concept and applying it to. But Tom Cruise uh, is thrust into a war that he has not been trained to fight, but he keeps reliving the first day of that. And so over the course of time becomes actually a tremendously skilled soldier, which is one of the things that's appealing about it. But anyway, so... Having said that, yes, Russian Doll was, I don't know how you would describe it as Groundhog Day applied to X, but but I loved the first season. I have not watched the second season. I, I started um, the first season with my wife and Gail wasn't quite into it. She doesn't as much like some of the science fiction stuff. So that element of it are kind of turned her off. So we only watched that first episode. So I'm behind on that. So I can't say. Yeah, no, no, no. And I should mention for those of our listeners who have never been married, but yeah, anybody and anybody in a relationship where you're living together with a partner, very often you only watch the things which both of you want to watch. Although occasionally somebody wants to watch something and then the other person watches it with them and just goes along for the ride, whatever. But uh, I've seen very little of Poker Face, bringing it back to we started discussing because my wife actually surprisingly not interested in seeing it. And I just want to say something about Poker Face, which is Ryan Johnson wrote Knives Out and directed it. And it was a surprise hit. And he's obviously a big mystery bruff, Agatha Christie, that kind of thing. And Knives Out was meant to be a play on a typical Agatha Christie done it where a number of people are gathered in one place and there's a murder. And then you have to figure out which one of them did it. And and then he did the glass onion with the same detective. Right. And but it was a very different kind of mystery. And when talking about when talking about the idea behind the series of Knives Out films. Right. He said, I want each film to play on a particular take on the murder mystery. And the reason I mention that is because Poker Face is clearly a take on the Columbo formula. At the time, Columbo was, I believe, the first television show, murder mystery show that started off with the murder and us knowing exactly who the murderer is and how they did it. And then the suspense is, well, will Columbo... We know Columbo's going to figure it out, but we don't know. And the process of watching him figure it out is actually, it impels you to watch the whole thing. Although, spoiler, I discovered after watching a couple of episodes of Columbo on Peacock that you can get a 10-minute summary of all the important moments in any Columbo episode on YouTube. And it's just as satisfying as sitting through the entire 90 minute show. It's um, like the 
the cliff notes so, of cliff notes of Columbo type thing, but video format. I have to tell you, it's terrific. It gets to a point where you're just like, I know that we're spending all this time with the murderer, but can you hurry it up? Can you get to Columbo? <laughs> now, just one, wait a minute, one more thing, Tom. One, there's just one more thing I got. I'm not sure about. Can you explain this to me exactly? Like, no. Yeah. And no, Poker no. Face starts yeah. off with the murder. Although something that Poker Face does very well is that it plays with time. We see the murder or parts of the murder, and then we see some of the backstory and fitting in the scenes that we've already seen, filling in the space around it, so that you can understand more of it, and also understand more of how Natasha is going to unravel the mystery. She has the ability to detect when somebody is lying, which she has a hundred percent success at this. And she applied it to playing poker and she was making so much money and everybody assumed that she had to have been cheating because she always played like she knew exactly what everybody had and so she was banned from playing poker all over the place and and now she's on the run and so in every episode she shows up in an odd job at the location of the next murder drive driving her barracuda yeah she's driving a great car an old beat up muscle car (laughs) and there are a lot of nice touches about this yeah I was going to say this brings us. I like the fact that it starts off with the 60s graphics for a murder mystery with the kind of title page with the copyright in Roman numerals at the bottom of the screen. What was it always? How much of Poker Face have you seen? I've actually seen the first episode and I've seen uh, our friend Tim Russ's episode, which is Orpheus Syndrome, I believe. Yeah, the Orpheus Syndrome. Yeah, we were very excited that Tim was on the show so we could go and watch this episode immediately. As our avid listeners know, Tim was on the show, on our podcast show. Yes. Yeah, and he plays a he plays a character. This is it's what's her name? Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones, who is an amazing actress who really was and probably still is. I mean, she's really known for her work in theater. Just she plays uh, yeah. She plays her husband is Did we spoil it? Ex husband. No, I didn't say her ex husband is played yeah. by Tim Russ. And Nick Nolte's in it also. And the three of them basically run and own a a a, a kind of a Ray Harryhausen type of special effects house where they do stop motion stuff or they did a lot of serious stop motion stuff. And if our audience knows who Ray Harryhausen is and like these, the what is the Sinbad series where he's fighting the skeletons and the all stop motion stuff and uh, giant monsters and stuff. What was the substitute for CGI yeah, kind way of a, back when? The Phil Tippett type thing or how you would you animated the Atomic or whatever in Star Wars were animated this way. So anyway, there's a murder, a murder that takes place. And at first you're shocked by the fact that someone's killed and we're not going to see him anymore because he's dead. As Tom explained, there's a lot of what went on before. So you get a lot of information at bits and pieces. And I do the scene where, and I don't know if she does this, if they do this all the time, but it's like, the scene is viewed from one 
character's perspective. And then a little later, you see the same scene from another character's perspective. And that starts to open things up. And that aspect of the thing is very, yeah. very interesting. It's and it's kind a of fun a murder series. mystery Russian series. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun. And it's not, you don't, I'm going to say this outright because I think it's been said, you don't necessarily have to watch this series from start to from first episode on. I think these episodes are self-contained to a certain extent. They are pretty much. I had thought because she's on the run from in her first episode, right. the establishing episode, she exposes a murder by a bunch of kind of casino mobsters. And so she's moving around because she's on the run from them. They want to find her and kill her. And I thought that every episode would have some of the tension of her almost being detected by them. But that is not the case. In the second episode, there was some reference to it. And I've only seen the first and second and eighth episode. But in the eighth episode, they don't refer to it at all. And frankly, I prefer that. There is one reference where when she calls 911 and then she leaves. If you think about that, she doesn't want to be involved in the official. Oh, yeah. They ask her for her name and she says, just send somebody. And then she actually has to leave. Yeah. She has to leave the scene that she's asked them to send emergency vehicles to because she can't be identified. She's got to avoid that because then they'd want to take a statement and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm excited about that. And it's, it's an interesting series. And I think if you're looking for something to watch, I think you should try poker face. I can't say. I will say that I found uh, the pilot. uh, Sometimes I find the beginning with the murder, much like Columbo, a little slow. I'm waiting for Natasha Leon to show up so we can actually, she's really an interesting character in this. She seems to have enormous people skills and she always forges a relationship with a local that spurs her to solve the murder. And she's just an incredibly entertaining presence between her unique voice and affect that she just, in in every role that she's played, her personal characteristics are part of the reason that you enjoy watching her. You oh know, yeah, you, can't you know take she's your eyes off her. She's cast to be that character that she well that character. She's cast as Natasha Leone. Her, it's not like she's Christian Bale and he's melting into this role. No, she, she's not else. that kind of actor. And for and that's fine. I, I just have to address. I I constantly hear this complaint from people about different actors. They're just playing themselves. It's not just, it's just as difficult to play yourself (laughs) as it is. It might be more difficult to be Lincoln, right? But it's very difficult to play yourself and be natural. And you're still acting. You're still acting. You're going to be put in scenes that require you to respond to a pretend situation, whether you're playing yourself or not. I'm going to, I'm going to use that as a segue into my, and then we'll go to yours, my next, although it's relatively new, so I can't say it's on nobody's, it's not an overlooked at all, but is The Reluctant Traveler on Apple Plus with Gene Levy. Have you seen The Reluctant Traveler, Tom? Never heard of it. It's not really, it's not really. Exactly. Yep. It's, it's a bit more of a, I don't know. It's not a. 
It's not, yeah, I guess you could call it a reality show, but it's not a reality show. It's Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, right? From all the- From Schitt's Creek. Yeah, Schitt's Creek and the Christopher Guest movies and stuff. And what happens is they take him someplace. They took him to South Africa and and then said, you're going to stay at this hotel and you're going to do some things. And he doesn't like travel that way. He really likes the hotel, doesn't want to go on any adventures. And they- make him go on these adventures and then he responds to it like uh, i didn't know he was in he was in finland and they made him go ice fishing <laughs> in finland it's like uh, if you think about eugene levy it's like he doesn't look like he's going to be the adventurous sort he's out in alaska wilderness he's there in finland and it's very he plays himself, which he also talked about. It's very difficult playing myself. He says, um, I am playing a role. I'm playing a role as myself. Is it, is it, a, is it a narrative is, or is it like a reality show? It's like a reality show. So it, it's not really a narrative. So I'm getting a, a feel. Yeah, so he is himself. He is himself. And he talks about his son, Daniel, and his daughter and just and his wife at times. But he just talks about how... He's reluctant to do things and he gets forced into doing some things and some things he really likes. And he says, I never would have gone ice fishing if it had not been for this. He says, but I really enjoyed it. And am I going ice fishing again? No, but <laughs> it is essentially that. It's if you like travel shows and you like nature shows and you're like, I would I don't really want to I want to just stay in the hotel, have a cup of coffee and sit by the pool. It's he's that kind of anyway, I, I like it. The Reluctant Traveler, it's on Apple Plus. It's about eight, eight episodes, I think, of him traveling. Really fun, beautiful cinematography, some beautiful locations. And ungodly expensive hotels that he stays at. And he even thinks they're like outrageously outrageous hotels. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, in, I like that. He's, I like oh, the combination in, there. He's in places that are he go, this is three thousand dollars a night, or this is six thousand dollars a night somewhere in the Maldives, and he's in this hotel that has thirty-two guests and it's six thousand dollars a night. And he's basically, I never would do this. I would never come here. I would never do this. <laughs> he says, but this is amazing. I, I love that. <laughs> so anyway, for that you know, aspect, I mean, it's the, there's a certain genre of travel show like this. It reminds me of Better Late Than Never, which was a series that only lasted for two seasons. And I'm not sure I even know where it's available, but it's William Shatner, Henry Winkler, George Foreman, and Terry Bradshaw. It's a traveling. great show. <laughs> it's a great yes. show. The first season they're in Asia, which is a good place because it seems alien and watching them try the food that William, Terry Bradshaw refuses to eat something because it just sounds crazy. It's an undeveloped chicken embryo. Yeah, and done in some way, you know. Uh -huh. Whereas Henry Winkler will try anything, and you see their different qualities. William Shatner traveling around does not want to be bothered by fans, and he just wants to go about his life. He's a grouch. Whereas yep. Henry Winkler will spend all of his time with fans, like at a train station, they're waiting for Winkler to stop taking pictures with people and Shatner's. <laughs> and I just want to say Henry Winkler is one of the nicest people in the world. I've just mm -hmm. had one contact with him, but he doesn't know me from Adam, but he was just an incredibly sweet, 
lovely, great person. There you go. Plug for Henry Winkler. Yes. Thank you, Henry. Okay. Maybe, so okay. Maybe we, get so Henry, we can get Henry on the show in some future episode and we can talk what he's doing currently. I would love to, but Henry has a lot on his plate. Yeah. Uh, as I was informed by Henry Winkler <laughs> himself. <laughs> Having said that, so we've talked about Poker Face, which is on Peacock. And I also just want to say Tim Russ was amazing in that episode. He's a terrific actor. And we've talked about uh, better late than never. And we've talked about the reluctant traveler on Apple TV. So I suppose I should probably throw out yes, uh, first one of mine. And, yeah. And again, this is, this is a show that's on Hulu. I have heard certain people going on about it on and on. And I finally went and watched it and it, the conceit of the show is that you have a, one of the, Top chefs in America, the guy who's broken off from his family to some degree to become an amazing chef who inherits a sandwich shop from his brother, his estranged brother, and comes in and tries to impose his methods on the kitchen in producing sliced beef sandwiches. And it is shot in a different way than you would expect. It's got com comedic elements, but very serious dramatic elements. It stars Jeremy Allen White as the chef in question, whose nickname was The Bear. Jeremy Allen, he's just tremendous. He's just tremendous. I haven't seen him act before, even though he was a very prominent character on a previous show, uh, the name of which I... It was on Shameless. Yeah, Shameless. Exactly. And I never, I still haven't caught up with Shameless. Yeah, he's great on Shameless. He was a great character and you watched him grow from the beginning on through. Yeah, a complex character. Now, actually, we're recording this in the morning, but tonight, Jeremy Allen White and the cast of The Bear are up for a Screen Actors Guild Award. Oh. And I will reveal that I actually did vote for Jeremy Allen White and, and the cast. So we'll see whether my vote actually carried any weight <laughs> at all, which very often it doesn't seem to. But this is an amazing cast. I had never seen any of these actors before. Uh, Evan Moss Bachrock plays the cousin of the uh -huh. bear who just can't stand the fact that this guy is coming in and trying to mess with the way they've been making these sandwiches and cooking things for decades. And it's a family run business. And there, there's a lot of personal feelings that are being stomped all over. But the exposition, for anybody who's a writer, you've got to watch the pilot of the bear because the exposition is, as we say, dramatized. You learn everything you need to know about the history of Jeremy Allen White's character and without there ever being any, barely any mention of his past. The characters all relate to him in ways which make it clear that he is some highfalutin, terrific chef. Uh, and also that he's been estranged from the family, etc. All of this is developed in almost a documentary fashion with the camera following around different scenes. And it's breezy, even. The episode, the, one of the great things about the bear is that the episodes are only half an hour long, which is terrific. I actually 
am enjoying the form of the drama or dramedy, which is a half hour long. And then when you have eight episodes or 10 episodes, and honestly, you can just breeze right through them. I watched the entire run over the course of two days. And, uh, and I thought it was one of the best things that I've seen on television in a long time. And there is going to be a season two. I will have to check it I out. I have not watched IO. You owe. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention Io Edabiri, who is a young chef who comes on to to help. And she her career is on its way up. She's up for an award tonight. And she has been her performance in I don't know what the latest thing she's done is, sadly, because why don't we cut out the part where I look it up? Uh-huh. Um, sure, we've got that because out. She's gotten a lot of acclaim. Yeah, she was on What We Do in the Shadows and in Dickinson. but And, of course, she's on one episode of A- Abbott Elementary. But I believe the movie is Theater Camp, Theater Camp that she's getting a lot of acclaim for her performance. But anyway, do you know anything about The Bear? Have you watched The Bear? No, I have not watched The Bear. I have been told to watch The Bear. And I was in Chicago earlier at the beginning of this year for a couple of weeks. And I was told, Oh, where they film the exterior of the bear is near here. <laughs> so wherever this place was, I did not go by it, but so I've had numerous references to the bear at various points. And the, what's the lead actor's name again? What's his real name? His real name is, I believe, Jeremy Allen White. Jeremy. So Jeremy, I would see on the lot at Warner Brothers when because they shot Shameless on the lot at Warner Brothers. So we'd see Jeremy quite a bit on the lot. And both my wife and I ran into Jeremy out on the side curb, smoking a cigarette, waiting to go out. I think he was just smoking a cigarette because you can't smoke inside the airport. So we've had a few Jeremy sightings type thing, but no interactions. But so my experience. You've watched Jeremy Allen White in a sense, but you haven't watched The Bear. I have not watched The Bear. So I I know him and and he's great. when I see him in Shameless and I've seen him in things and I'm assuming he's that way in the bear, he feels he feels old school Hollywood to me. It feels like I'm seeing not a Rock Hudson, but I'm seeing a, an old school. I could see him doing Casablanca. You know what I mean? Could you see that? And I could see him doing I can see him doing The Great Escape or something doing. I can see him as a very that I'm surprised he hasn't had any really beefy, not kind of George Clooney kind of role, but I see him as that kind of an actor. Does that make sense to you? It does. And honestly don't know what he's been offered. My sense is that he likes material, which is off the beaten path. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure he's doing other things besides the bear. I'd be very interested to hear what our listeners, who has seen the bear, who hasn't seen the bear, who has been told, as I was for six months, you have to see the bear. bear. And now I'm doing it to my wife. I'm like, look, she was was away. I watched. (laughs) So I watched the bear over the course of two days thinking she's not going to watch this. Now she she has to see it. It's so good. Yep, we'll have to add that um, to my list. So, actually, I I wanna, list. my list. I want to keep this kind of short because I've got things I've got to do. So I'm gonna cut that part out. I know there are there are 
things. But we have pastries in your future. Yep, we have an episode, so that's good. I, I do want to remind our listeners that we will be on a bit more of a regular schedule at this point as the year goes along. And I will say. If our listeners can reach out to us, that would be great. We'd like to hear from our listeners. If you really like this show, send us an email via the website. And if you don't like this show, then send your emails to some Russian bot because I'm going to get it. And please send your underappreciated gems that you've discovered to us because we'd like to watch them and talk about them. Yes, for sure. There's sure there's a lot of underappreciated film slash series things that that just did really well, but are either difficult to find or because of the noise you you don't know. And I will agree, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of stuff, and it's like a wave that's riding the crest of the wave. And what I'm really looking for is those delicious crabs underneath the water. <laughs> Not that thing on the way. <laughs> okay. Wow. Great analogy. Uh, I didn't huh? know where you're going with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't really understand it, but I guess I do. The, the <laughs> well, those hidden think... crabs that are delicious but have not yet been found. That, yes, that yes. Is. Because you're paying attention to that surfer on the crest of the wave who's looking wonderful, but the beautiful thing. Who is probably Tom Cruise. Could um, be Tom Cruise and and John uh, yeah. Looking forward to the return of Secession. Unfortunately, ah, it's going to be the last season. season. And uh, the second season of Yellow Jackets, which was released one episode at a time each week, as used to be the case with most TV shows. And it was great that it was released that way because you just wanted to talk about your theories of where the plot was going with everybody else who was watching it from week to week and that kind of made it fun but having said that we're still saying goodbye yes we will be back (laughs) goodbye we will back soon be back you've been listening to movie reviews and some serious nonsense with tom burka and greg dyro we love to talk about movies and speak with the creators of some of your favorite forms of entertainment. If you have a great idea for an interview, we would love to hear about your idea. If you have a favorite movie or a streaming show, real or not yet imagined, we'd love to hear about it. So please leave us a message on our website.